This is the United We Stand podcast around the game at Old Trafford against a very good Aston Villa team. Today's podcast is brought to you by Improve Easy. Improve Easy are helping United fans across the country save money on their energy bills by installing home improvement measures such as free solar panels, free boilers and free insulation. All you need to do is text the word EASY to 60777 to see if you qualify. That's EASY, E-A-S-Y, text that to 60777. Why not give it a go? There's government funds available. You might be missing out. Right, well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. Um, I'm Matt. I'm one of the writers for United We Stand. And, um, yeah, happy Christmas is the first thing to say. It's Boxing Day uh, in Manchester, but we're starting a, a little bit outside the city centre today. We're at uh, Hurst, Hurst Cross in Ashton. Uh, Ashton United uh, at home to FC United in Manchester in, uh, yeah, in, in, non, in non-league today and I thought this would be a good place to start today's podcast because of the news which was confirmed on Christmas Eve regarding the ownership of Manchester United now obviously the, the reason for the existence of FC United in Manchester is down to the Glazer takeover in 2005 and 18 years later I thought it would be interesting to get a bit of a perspective from FC yeah, at a juncture in United's history which has seen another no, not quite change of ownership, but uh, uh, at least, yeah, a, a slight change in direction. Um, so, yeah, um, got a few representatives here from uh, from FC United. If you want to just uh, quickly introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. I'm Matthew Haley. I'm uh, on the board at FC United. I'm Paul Hurst, also a board member at FC United. I previously served on the committee of the Independent United Supporters Association prior to the Glazer takeover. Nice. Well, cheers for your time, lads. And... Um, yeah, obviously the, the news of people, have, I'm sure people have seen it, but the details being that you know, Sir Jim Ratcliffe uh, has paid, he's paid £1.3 billion for the privilege. Uh, and as we understand it, the deal includes Sir Jim Ratcliffe and his INEOS group, so including the likes of today and today Bailsford uh, and Jean-Claude Blanc taking over the sporting side of uh, operations at, at, at Manchester United. As I said, we're, we're here watching FC first. FC were founded... 18 years ago as a result of the initial Glazer takeover what's been the reaction at FC United to the, to, to the news over at Old Trafford? We think that even though uh, Jim Radcliffe's uh, investment into Manchester United could bring about some positive changes we still don't think it'll be enough to change like, the, the deep-rooted issues at United or in the, the modern game in general um, and, and change lots of the issues that have been affecting United fans for, for the last two decades or more. Um, like Radcliffe says he's going to invest just over £230 million, uh, but that won't be enough uh, on its own. And, and meanwhile, the Glazer family are still going to hold the controlling stake in the club, uh, so they'll be free to continue taking out millions of pounds um, and, and ignoring supporters' views, just as they have been doing. Uh, and we, we just don't see how that's right. Um, at FC, we've always been a club run by Manchester United fans, for Manchester United fans, who want to protest uh, about the Glazier occupation of United. Um, and for the last 18 years, we've been providing somewhere for like-minded Reds to meet up and watch football together. And I think the, the latest saga, it just demonstrates that the Glazers still aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, so we once again invite United fans to, to come down to FC 
Um, you know, if they want to starve the Glazers of the hard-earned cash, then, and or they want to protest, or they're just fed up with modern football in general, then you'll always be welcome at FC. Come along and uh, spend some time with your fellow Reds um, and enjoy watching football together. Sing it on the terraces for 90 minutes and you can have a beer, it's pay on the gate. Loads of things that have disappeared from the modern game. The alternative, it, it seems, to uh, to Jim Ratcliffe's investment United uh, seemed to have been potential Qatari investment or even a full takeover. How, how would that have been seen at FC United? I mean, it's a difficult one. I think for me, you, you look at this two ways there. I think everyone wants to see Manchester United be successful and the change on the pitch and you know, I'm sure the Qataris with the almost limitless resources could do that. You would hope that Ratcliffe, as with the likes of Brailsford and so on, as you say that, can come in and change some of that stuff in the scenes, which I think everyone would say has clearly gone badly wrong under the Glazers. Um, I think the ultimate bit for me, though, is you know whether the supporters play into this. You noticed in Ratcliffe's statement there was not a great deal of mention about the fans of the club and what's going to change for them. And yeah, you know, success is success is great there. But the you know the match day experience for fans, you know, local I grew up in Stretford, you know, local lads around there, is that is that going to change for them? Or is it still about money? You know, with the Glazers still in there, it, it, it's still about money. But are we going to see real change? And I think that you know, for me, FC United, other supporter own clubs, you know, obviously we're a lot further down the pyramid than uh, than than United. But we've got you know we've got say over things. You know, ultimately, whether it be Qatar, whether it be Ratcliffe, you know, whoever else there, there's got to be something that changes for the positive for supporters there that improves the match day experience. You know, maybe not playing. At eight o'clock on Boxing Day when there's no public transport. Um, as we said, it's been yeah, FC United are 18, 18 years old now. Um, how's the club doing? Um, yeah, well, I think we're we're as settled as we've ever been. Uh, we've got uh, you know men's team, we've got a women's team, we've got an academy. Uh, we just had one of the highest ever turnouts at our most recent annual general meeting got on- online voting now so it's far more accessible and how does than that it's... work exactly at the annual uh, so it's one member one vote so uh, you pay your 25 quid for the season to be a member and then you get to vote on a variety of issues so you get to elect board members like us who are all volunteers you know we're all just in it for the love of FC for Manchester United and for making a positive difference fighting against the Glazers but also you know making a positive difference about uh, you know how football could and should be in this country how's it going on the pitch this season how are FC doing uh, well we've just won uh, two of the last three so uh, we're picking up we're currently mid-table but we're 10 points off the playoffs so we're, we're hoping we can uh, go on a good run now uh, in, into the new year and, and get uh, into the playoffs uh, by, by April and you never know. We'll, we'll see. It'd be great to get in the playoffs and uh, you know sneak a promotion, but we'll see. And um, in the past few years, FC have actually been playing their own Euro ways, haven't they? Uh, tell us a little bit about the about the Phoenix Trophy, uh, the, the European Cup that FC United are playing in. Yeah, it came about um, just after COVID, and it was a bit surreal at first. I, um, I sort of speak to our manager on a regular basis. I deal with his stuff for the program there, and I remember he, he was so speaking to him there, and he went, "You're not going to believe this. We're going into Europe." And I was like, "What, what, what are you, what, what, what are you talking about?" Um, uh, you know, especially at the time where we, you know, we'd not been able to travel anywhere. Um, but yeah, it's a. Um, trophy basically for supporter own clubs you know with similar ideals from around around Europe um, sort of growing nicely we had sort of eight teams to start with and it sort of expanded we've got sort of three groups this this year and 
yeah, so, you know, supporter ownership, you know, fr- friendship there, and all these clubs who've got similar ideals from from around Europe. So, you know, our first trip was in October 21, I believe, which, yeah, sort of still into COVID there to um, a team called AKS Lion Warsaw, and, you know, they were heavily involved, um, you know, with the um, Russia in- Russian invasion of Ukraine, they um, with the refugees in, in Warsaw. Um, so just that kind of thing but yeah it's been a great experience for the club well, you know. FC won the first one didn't we it? did win the first <laughs> one yeah it was a fantastic weekend in, uh, in Rimini um, in Italy um, yeah it, it, you know it's been great for the lads for the players there you know, we, we can't offer as much money as some, as some other clubs uh, you know at this level do you know it's, it's talk about financial fair play you know whether that's something that needs to to come down to this level but it's something that you know we can offer these lads because of the name of the club and the, you know the experience um, the what experience sort, they what can sort get. of crowds are FC getting these days? Uh, we get about 1,800, sort of a Saturday league match, usually sort of a bit less midweek there. You know, we've got uh, Radcliffe at home this coming Saturday there, so they're uh, flying out at the top of the league, sort of local derby, so you know, we'd be hoping to probably crack 2,000 for that. What, what's the makeup of the support these days at FC? Oh, it's a real mixture. Um, <coughs> so... Um, you know, obviously we've got uh, a lot of people who followed United all over the world, like in the 70s and 80s. Um, but as we've like, um, you know, been in Moston now since 2015, uh, we, we've engaged a lot with the local community and got a lot of people coming along. Um, so we've got a mixture of like, uh, you know, time served Reds, as it were. And then we've got uh, people in the local area who, you know, have come along and got involved in the club because it's right on their doorstep. Well, cheers for your cheers for your time, lads. Uh, so worries, yeah, that, that's it for now from from Ashton. Uh, kick off at Old Trafford tonight is at is eight pm, so we've got quite a long day ahead of us. Uh, but yeah, I think it's good to start over here watching FC United. Um, yeah, I think the way I look at it, at least another another example of red, white, and black fan culture in Manchester and still still going strong. So, cheers, lads. FC United one two one despite being down to 10 men and having the manager sent off. So that was a good start to the day. And since then, I've yeah jumped back on the tram, uh, moved all the way uh, across the city of Manchester via the Abu Dhabi enclave, which I think the less said about that, the better. And we've come down to St. Matt Busby Way now. We're inside the, the Must House, um, Manchester United Supporters Trust with uh, Duncan Drasdo. Where, where, where do we start with Must's engagement regarding uh, the opposition to the Glazers down the years? Um, 18 years on now, since 2005. Is it fair to say that this is probably the first major change in direction, even though it's not a full takeover, the first major change in direction regarding the ownership in, in 18 years? Uh, yeah, what's what's your stance on it, and what's what's must must stance on on the on the Ratcliffe deal? Yeah, yeah, I think I mean you know, some people who are younger may not know the kind of history of that, but of course we did, uh, you know, warn that the Glazer takeover was going to be dangerous for the club, damaging for the club, I should say. We tried to oppose it as much as we could in every mechanism that we had available to us in terms of political lobbying and so on and uh, indeed trying to get people to earn enough shares Uh, not enough people listened at the time and I think most people didn't think the Glazers were really a problem most people who weren't our members at least didn't think the Glazers were a problem probably until after Sir Alex retired and then you started to see it really impact on the pitch Mm. and uh, you know that was something that we thought would happen because Fergie was basically keeping the machine going Mm. Uh, you know and as soon as he left it kind of fell apart didn't it um, and so, you know, the chickens really came home to roost. This was day one of the Glazers' ownership when Fergie, uh, in terms of the, how you judge it, was the first day after Fergie retired, I suppose. Um, and it's not gone well, has it? You know, I mean, United have been in decline since that day. 
Um, so yeah, this is the first positive moment I would say since uh, 2005 in terms of the ownership structure. I think a lot of people will feel pleased about that and I don't want to be negative about it because I think there's a lot of people that feel you know, there's enough negativity around United. We don't need to hear people saying it's it's not good enough or it's not going to deliver. Uh, you know, but obviously, in in terms of a realistic analysis of it, uh, it is a missed opportunity. In that, there's too much of the money is going to the existing shareholders. It's not just the Glazers, of course. It's the other shareholders. And if you're raising that much money, I'd rather see more of that going into the club. Mm. What we're getting is three hundred million dollars. Uh, through some new shares that will be issued. Mm. Uh, obviously, everything assuming all the regulatory barriers are overcome. Um, and uh, substantially more is going to the shareholders. I think it's around 500 million mm. uh, to each group, as in the Glazers and the, the B and the A shareholders, mm. the A shareholders being the public shareholders, of which the Glazers own some as well, actually. Um, so, for me, if I wanted to criticise it and say what could have been done better is it should have been a bigger share offer so that we're raising the sort of money that could really make a dent in uh, redeveloping the stadium or building a new stadium, whichever option is selected. And it, it ain't going to be the new stadium uh, under the current ownership, I'm sure, because there's, there's no way to raise those sort of funds. Um, some people will be pleased about that, others won't. Yeah. But so I think what I would say positively is that there's a model there now. Mm. You know, we've established a model for buying shares off the Glazers mm. and investing in the club. Mm. And I think we so need more think, of the investment in the club. Do you think this opens the door a little bit to potential well, further sales of shares down the line, whether to, whether to fan, fan-based or fan-friendly groups or to other slightly more favourable investors? Yeah, I think it does, uh, but there's no mechanism here. There's no roadmap, unfortunately. What we've got is a model or a mechanism that you could say, well, we could replicate that, we could scale that up, we could do more of the share issue and less of the mm. buying out the investors, or uh, sorry, other shareholders. Some people would rather just see the money spent on getting rid of the Glazers. Mm. But actually, we need money into the club as well. So, yeah. you know, it is a, it's a bit of both. Um, but sure, but the difficulty is there isn't, there isn't any legally binding route from where we yeah. will be after this deal completes to any further progression. That's my understanding, and I believe that they would have to have declared that because it's a publicly listed company. Yeah. If there was any kind of legal agreement that said, yes, I can do this again in six months, yeah. it would have to have been declared. So I, I, I believe that's true, that there's no other, there's no future uh, roadmap, yeah. you know, built in. 13 months ago, when the so-called strategic review was announced, uh, it wasn't just Sir Jim Ratcliffe who expressed interest, it's also the parent Qatari bid. Um, what was what, what was Must's stance on that? Was there a was there a preferred bidder in that process? No, um, there's a couple of reasons for that. I mean, not least we're a, a representative organisation, so it's not up to us to have a a view on things other than representing supporters' views. Or oh, what was the feedback? But but, but what I should say, unless of course it's something that relates to actually our, our you know constitutional yeah, yeah, objectives, yeah. if you like. Uh, the feedback was absolutely mixed. You know, there were people who were vehemently against uh, a nation state owning the club for the reasons you can imagine. You know, not just political or human rights, but just because they don't think it's the right model and it's mm. it's what we criticise City for. You know, and do United, we just want to be? It wasn't even necessary. Given that, I mean, I don't yeah, think, not if United necessarily need the the money invested. Yeah, yeah. perhaps City that's or right. Newcastle think they would need. No, that, that's very true. Um, but yeah, I mean, you don't just want to be in a game of who's got the owners with the deepest pockets. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it should be. There should be a relationship between the supporters and the club. 
and the success of the club. That's what actually gives you the pleasure of being a fan and feeling like you've contributed. You know, we felt like we were part of the success in 99. And, you know, and I'm not trying to do this as a sort of belittling City fans by any means, but, you know, I don't think they can feel the same thing about having won their treble, if you want to call it that. And uh, it's difficult for <laughs> me to accept it as the equivalent because I, I just think it's... Want. I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Because, it, it, you know, it has been, it's been bought with yeah. nation's money rather than actually, you know, supporters contributing to the club and building the club over... You know, a century. The idea of, of supporters being able to contribute to the club. Obviously, um, I, mean, I, I spend a lot, of, a lot of time in, in, in Germany with a completely different model of football, where the yeah. fans do actually have an enshrined say. Obviously, that's a little bit utopian in a in an English or a, or a British context. But before the strategic review, Must did well, had entered into negotiations, discussions with the Glazers regarding this, what you were calling a fan. I would say with the club rather than the Glazers, with to be the, fair, but of course club, they yeah, did need to approve exactly, anything. Yeah. Absolutely. So but. with the with uh, the, the fan share scheme. Yeah. Uh, I'm right in saying that was probably put on ice due to the strategic review. Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. There was the no fu- point in having that. What's the future of that now? Uh, there was no point in having that discussion during that process. Mm. Um, Is it something you'd like to resurrect? Not necessarily that scheme, but I think the principle of supporters uh, investing in their own club. Mm having a significant ownership stake and that building over a period of time is just a valid one regardless of who the owners are. Um, and so obviously that then depends on whether there's a, a change in attitude from either the new investor, as in Sir Jim Ratcliffe, uh, what the view is of, of the other shareholders, including the public shareholders mm-hmm. and the Glazers. Um, but I think as a principle, it actually makes sense to everyone mm-hmm. for supporters to have a stake. And, Absolutely. you know, we've got a global fan base that's huge, mm. and it's ridiculous not to think that they mm. can't be a part of transforming mm. United back to where it should belong exactly. in terms of an investment element exactly. of it. We, and we all criticise various investors for having potentially different ulterior motives to us. Probably the, the one group of st- stakeholders in all this who you can't accuse of having an ulterior motive here is, prob- is, is the fans. And yeah, it's quite I think clear that's what right. we want. <laughs> we want the best yeah, yeah, but I think there is a balance argument, and um, you know, I think that you look at what I used to consider, you know, naively back in sort of 1998, 99, when we were opposing the Murdoch takeover and we sort of said, oh, Barcelona's the model, isn't it? And we did change our view on that over time because we saw how it, it didn't really deliver properly because it became a political environment for who wanted to be elected as the president and then became the power broker or, or the holder of that power. Um, and we didn't think that was good. And actually, by, uh, you know, by chance, I suppose it is, the German model has evolved to, you know, sort of if you look at the Bayern Munich model, and I know you'll tell me there's lots of things wrong with it, and I know there is. But On the contrary, I think, I think it's a good model. Well, there's lots of things <laughs> wrong with it, but I think it's actually the best yeah. model. Yeah, I think because yeah. it's sort of optimised itself. Yeah. So you've ended up at the point where you have got um, investment yeah. into the clubs, like, and I'm taking Bayern Munich as an yeah. example. I know there's many different ways really of looking at it, but. Yeah. Uh, and the club, uh, you know, one that's been successful. Mm. But you get investment in, you get. Uh, commercial uh, expertise, commercial drive, Mm -hmm. but then you've got the break, or it shouldn't necessarily be a break, but the keeping them honest element of the fan vote. And again, it's not in the same way as we're talking about here, and that's just because of the way we are, where we are and where we're coming from. But but yeah, so I mean... Legislation to change something. Yeah, or or obviously you buy enough shares among supporters (laughs) over time. But but yeah, so I mean, if if you were asking the question... Um, where would you like to end up, then it would be something like that. I think that's the optimum model for a football club because it delivers that commercial drive, keeps the club honest with the fans, um, uh, you know, uh, concerns at the heart of things, 
and I think it actually is even bit better commercially for the club anyway yeah. to have the supporters as both part owners Absolutely. and I know customers is a dirty word sometimes yeah. but in terms of that commercial relationship you're a customer who is a supporter and an owner mm. that to me is the optimum model so yeah. if, if they only so, it. so that's why we've always been in favour of that is, mm. is the short no, yeah. the long answer actually yeah. isn't it but um but so, yeah, we will always try and pursue that because we think that's the best long-term ownership model yeah. for the club. And, you know, whether it happens in my lifetime or not, I don't know. But yeah. certainly I think it'd be a good thing for the club. What we've heard so far is that uh, Ratcliffe and the Ineos operation will be taking over the sporting side of operations at Manchester United. How much leeway that actually gives him and, and, and his organisation in the yeah, in the in the communications of the club and how they deal with the fans, I'm not too sure. Probably, probably less than I, than I would hope. Nevertheless, do you have any particular hopes uh, for yeah for communication with Ratcliffe with Ineos? Would you like to see them reaching out to you? Would you be reaching out to them? Um, yeah, would you expect to develop a, some sort of relationship there? Well, I think this is an interesting debate about um, what the role shareholders or owners should have in the running of a football club or any company actually and essentially you're a shareholder you're not the executive management of the club and I don't think you should be and I think that's part of the problem we have had mm. is that we've had major shareholders who are too hands-on mm. even though they you know may not be speaking to the supporters I don't think by owning that majority shareholding that qualifies you to be the best person to be making the decisions for the club mm. and if you looked at the role titles of Joel and Avi Glazer, for example, they call themselves executive co-chairman. In other words, the highest position within the company. Yeah. And Ed Woodward at the time was called vice president, uh, sorry, uh, vice chairman. Yeah, yeah. And that said something, doesn't it? You know, it says that we consider ourselves the top executives in the company. Mm. And they're, they're not the top executives by appointment because they're the best at the job. They're mm. top executives because they've got the most shares. That's not the right qualification for me. So in that sense, I don't think that a dialogue with the owners, whether it's Glazers or Sir Jim Ratcliffe, um, should be the most important. It should be that they have a belief that they appoint the right people, professional management, who will get on with the job and perform it to the best of their ability, and they'll be there to, tr to make sure they've got the right people and that they're doing their job. And part of that job is communicating with supporters. Mm -hmm. So support supporters should have a dialogue with management of the club. Mm -hmm. And, you know... The ownership element should only really matter if that element isn't working, if the, if the dialogue with the professional management isn't working, or because the owners are performing a role which is interfering with that management. And so that would be a concern in a sense. I mean, I would hope that someone as successful as Sir Jim Ratcliffe in business will understand that. I'm sure he does, that you appoint good people and let them get on with it. and You get out their way or you remove things, obstacles from yeah. their path, don't you, and let them get on with it. And I doubt he wants to be involved in day-to-day -day stuff, although I suspect he might want to initially a little bit because he wants to see a quick turnaround. Um, first thing I asked when I came in here before was, uh, hey, I thought, generally, how are you doing? And I think you're referring mainly to the, uh, the action on the pitch. You're like, well, it can't really get much worse. Um, so after the disaster at, at West Ham uh, on, on Saturday, is that a, is, are you hoping that's, a, that's a, an idea and it's gonna, it can only go upwards from here? I mean, look, I mean, I look, I, I'm, I'm no football expert <laughs> and uh, I'll leave that to Andy Mitten and uh, the boys who really understand it uh, and analyse it to a great degree. But what I would say is I think there's been a degree of unfairness in that we've not actually accounted for the really serious impact of the injuries we've had. Yeah. You know, and I think other clubs have been getting more credit's the wrong word isn't it but you know more understanding for that 
but yeah, I mean, in terms of if this positive news about this new investment mm. is something that kind of triggers a bit of a reaction mm. and we start to see things turn mm. around, you'd hope the momentum starts moving the other way. I don't think there's an appetite amongst most of our supporters to see another management change mm. because I think the feeling is, what's the point of doing that? We've yeah. tried that XX times. Yeah, like that's that. not the problem. Yeah. It's not the manager that's the problem. <laughs> yeah. But of course, it does become difficult. If you keep losing matches and you're not playing well and you're not scoring yeah. goals and you're looking dull, mm. any manager is at risk in that situation, aren't they? But, um, but well, I would hope that we're going to see a turnaround. I would love to see... Ten Hag given a chance and given enough time to actually mm. see if he can deliver what what we all hope he can. Let's hope that yeah, let's hope it provides a bit of bit of momentum on and off the pitch and yeah. Yeah, brings us all brings us all together a little bit more. It's yeah. been it's been a difficult year, hasn't it? So, it has, it has, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of supporters uh, want to see fans getting united yeah. again. There's been the sick of all the sort of negativity and division, yeah. and so I'd hope we start to see people coming together again and all supporting the same cause, if you like. Nice one. Cheers for your time, Duncan. All right, no problem. Uh, back outside on St Matt Busby Way uh, with Nathan, he's selling red news um, because we've sold out of the United we stand, so uh, people should buy this one instead. <laughs> uh, Nathan, happy Christmas. It's been a busy busy Christmas in terms of uh, movement at United. Uh, how has your mood changed from West Ham to the Jim Ratcliffe news to now? How are you seeing it all? It's been a long time coming, hasn't it? I think um, I was always a bit not really happy with the idea of the Qataris like you know political not politically but you know like everything that was the baggage that came with that I obviously understand the the downsides of this because obviously we wanted rid of the Glazers completely but maybe it's being naive but hopefully this is just the first step to that being a longer process that will eventually happen whether it is or where it's just them getting some money from elsewhere so they carry it they don't have to spend their own but it can't be any worse can it and I just think you know if if if, if he is getting control of the football side of things then you'd hope that they've got a better idea than what's been happening in the last 20 years or however long it's been it feels like 20 years but you know like, like you've suggested then uh, the, the deal is, is supposed to include them or the Ineos uh, people taking over mm-hmm. the, uh, the sporting side of operations at, uh, at Old Trafford. What, what should that entail for you? What, what, what are the what are the elements that they should be looking at for, for you? And how long have we got? I, I, well, yeah. And as much as I'd love that to be the case, and that they get the right people, you know, involved to do it. Part of me sort of like, are they? Sorry, mate. four pound, please. Mate. Group of uh, Aston Villa fans coming past singing about Unai Emery. He's obviously doing a really, really good job, and um, I think that's I think that's good for Unai Emery. Um, I always thought he got quite a lot of unfair stick over the years. Um, I was just saying about Unai Emery. I think he got quite a lot of unfair stick over the years. So it's actually not surprised to see Villa fans singing about him. Yeah, I think he's a better coach than his I'll, reputation suggests. I was just speaking to a couple of Villa fans, and they're absolutely buzzing and too, too right. You know, they're, they're doing really well, aren't they? But I think in terms of like you're saying about the uh, the Ratcliffe getting the footballing uh, decisions, I guess. I'd, I'd love to believe it and I hope that he brings the right people in to do that but I'm also like the Glazers still own the vast majority of it well not you know they, they own the majority are they going to just let everything 
be done. You know, like part of me thinks they're still going to want to you know the relationship has been damaged so much that I'm not surprised to hear the, 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 the cynicism about absolutely anything that they do and I suppose ultimately even the deal that they've, that they've done with Ratcliffe it does yet present unfortunately a win-win for them oh yeah uh, 100% because if, what, if Ratcliffe is to come in to thoroughly take over 20, you know, 25% and the sporting side of things and uh, within the next 5-6 years things are really looking up and we're returned to former glory then the Glazers will say yeah thank you very much and, and, and profit from it as they have been doing in the past anyway yeah. if he fails then they'll they're, they're, they're he... absolved to blame <laughs> Half time, uh, United nil, Aston Villa two, and well, it all seems very familiar, doesn't it? It's a familiar performance, it's a familiar atmosphere. Um, yeah, Sam, pretty familiar stuff in it. Pretty familiar, mate. It's getting too much, too familiar. That's the problem. Did you see what happened for the first goal? Yeah, I did. No, it seemed to me. What, their defenders you stood behind Onana on the goal line so it seems to be and United Mate, are saying that's interfering with play his, yeah but his legs are stuck in mud every time it's true every time well you, you think he should still be getting to that as it goes across yeah, yeah? every yeah. time every time legs stuck in mud I think there's a shout there that if he's if he's stood behind the behind the goalkeeper as it comes in he might not be in his line of sight but you're surely interfering with play if that's what the rule is anyway uh, it went on there's no excuse for the second goal either it's another shit set piece straight in mate there's no organisation soft and since then United going forward yeah but it's it's all it's all on a hope and a prayer isn't it it's what if the ball goes what if the ball went in what if it went into the middle of the box it's all quite hopeful and just lacking a coherent plan isn't it what if like there's no clinical yeah. no you had, had Nacho getting a couple of times down the right but the ball across has come to nothing Rashford's wide. I, I never thought right, there was a moment about halfway through the half where Johnny Evans sort of won the ball brought it forward but then failed to find Rashford with the run now Rashford's reaction to that was just to wave his arms about but then, then it's like I play with a guy on a Thursday does that every time like, <laughs> arms in the air why did it come to me like get on your toes then the reaction to that was that everyone singing Johnny Evans and uh, everyone around me at least slagging off Marcus Rashford yeah, and, and, and I get it and I never thought I'd be in that situation toes, in 2023 that we're all singing about Johnny Evans and yet slagging off Marcus Rashford and I get it yeah because he's played he's won the ball but he's the ball and you can't just yes the chance is gone get on your toes mate go again it's frustrating isn't it like you got yourself on the left wing get yourself on the toes well uh, as, it, as it stands United are on course for a, a fifth game without a goal and um, it's going to take a lot more than it seems a 25% Jim Ratcliffe investment and 300 million quid in the stadium whatever to sort this out right see you full time so that's how it was at half time before we get to what it was at full time I want to tell you about AG1 we've just received a nice smart package AG1 is empowering people to take ownership of their health designed by scientists. It's a comprehensive and convenient blend 
of over 70 high quality ingredients. AG1 is a powerfully simple supplement with vitamins, minerals, whole food, source nutrients and more. You just take a single scoop that takes seconds to mix in the morning. You drink it, it helps to support your brain, heart, energy and immune health. AG1 is designed to support your body's needs every day. It's here to make healthy habits beautifully easy for you. Just one scoop, once a day, one glass of water, all in less than one minute. You take AG1 in the morning and benefits include focus and energy, immune health, stress and mood balance, healthy aging, nutrient replenishment, helps your skin, hair and nails. AG1 uses the highest quality ingredients, the strictest manufacturing standards. It's an effortless daily habit and the benefits and long-term investment in your health will pay off. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go and have a look for more details. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash united we stand. That's drink A, that's the letter A, letter G, the number one.com forward slash united we stand. It takes hardly any time, just mix it with water and it tastes great too. Check it out and feel better for it in the new year. It's a Christmas miracle! I told you three It's a Christmas miracle! United have scored! United have scored a goal! United have scored three! Three and a half! Rasmus Hoyland scored in the Premier League! Hoyland scored a goal! United have scored for the first time before they've scored three! United have come from 2 0 down! Villa, who were second in the league, they haven't they haven't made a peep since United scored the first. Buzz and everything that Old Trafford wasn't in the first half, everything that the away end at the London Stadium in West Ham wasn't. Old Trafford is now the opposite. What a buzz! By God, what my God, what does football do to you? What does football do to you? Eight, eight minutes to go. Come on, United! Come on! And full time, 3 2. United 3, Villa 2. What on earth does football do to you? What does it do to us? Um, as I think I said, that couldn't have been more different for the first half. United have pulled it out of the bag. It's a Christmas miracle, isn't it, Sam? We're happier now, That's aren't we? It's a Christmas miracle, mate. Yeah. Called it half time. What do you mean, called it half time? It's not on the record, mate. You, did, you didn't say it. I've not, not got you saying that, so. It's, off uh, the record. <laughs> you did say it off the record, in fairness yeah. to Sam. Um, it was better, wasn't it? That's what you, that's what you want to see. Uh, turns out, Turns out United can control midfield a bit better. Turns out United can press. They can win the ball high. They, they can force opponents. Can they can have a go. They can force opponents into some mistakes. When they get down the flanks, they don't just have to cross it wildly. They can find a man. Rasmus Hoymans, he can score in the Premier League. Um, Guy Nacho doesn't have to be offside. 
all the time. Can be the golden boy. And uh, we've got, yeah, clearly we, we, we've got the best Argentinian in the Premier League. Never mind your World Cup winners. <laughs> um, we've got two. We've got our own World Cup winner, haven't we? Um, yeah. They say a game with two halves, don't they? There you go. There's a cliche. Fan, fan, fantastic, fantastic. And uh, what a contrast to when we were stood there at half time in a in a vomitory in Old Trafford with yeah, no joke, c- Coke, the, the, the liquid form, dripping uh, through a gap in the roof. There you go. All the all the cliches were getting fulfilled in the first That's half. Carly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and suddenly, as football does, things look positive again, don't they? That's up the festive red. Up the festive red. That's that's how mad it is. I mean, if you think back to the the way the way Steve concluded that podcast at West Ham, um, how how the, the word they used was turgid. It was miserable. It was despairing. And I know because I was there. I got up at four a.m. and went down to London to watch that. And just, as drab as it all was, as miserable as Steve and the lads were afterwards. It was right. The mood was spot on. That's exactly how it felt. The away end had emptied. Um, the performance was dire. You can only think it was an absolute nadir. Obviously, the day after that, um, the news of Sir Jim Ratcliffe taking his 25% stake in United comes out, and you think it might not be to every, it might not be everyone's cup of tea. It might not be everyone's favourite solution. I think we heard that before the game with some of the reds we were talking to. People have had different opinions over the past 13 months. It's been a very divisive 13 months since the start of that strategic review. I wrote as much in the mag, I think it was either this mag or the mag before. The past 13 months have been, I, I, I mean it, probably the worst 13 months of my life watching United and it's had nothing to do with the football on the pitch. I can deal with United getting beat or United losing games. I can deal with it. Um, we've had 10 years of that, that's fine. But the that split in the fan base over the past 13 months has been really really horrible to see Manchester United have been anything but United and um, that's fine people have had their opinions on it uh, I, I wrote as much that the, the level of the debate was, was pretty poor at times that was frustrating anyway 13 months later we have a conclusion to that um, it, as we heard and as I said it, it's, it's not to everyone's liking obviously the Glazers are still here Rightly so, we had chance there tonight. We want Glazers out, and we do. Um, unfortunately, the facts are that the Glazers didn't want to sell Manchester United. So if that's what you wanted, fair enough. We all want the Glazers to sell United, but they, they didn't want to. So what's what's the second best solution? Um, arguably, we have that uh, with Ratcliffe and his Ineos operation coming in, taking over the football side of the business. As we said at half-time, there's an awful lot to do. As the lads that went down at West Ham said, there's clearly an awful lot to do. We know that. United just scored a goal there for the first time in four, in, 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 after four goalless Premier League games or, or all competitions. So it's, <coughs> it's clearly not good enough. The first half, a lot of the old failings were there. Rashford was still poor and we were saying it's one thing being frustrated and waving your arms and not getting the service, but then when you do get the service and your first touch is rubbish, then then you sort of forfeit your right to complain and his attitude at West Ham was disgraceful anyway so he's done absolutely nothing to I think to, to, to reinstate his status uh, among United fans tonight um, there are positives though aren't there uh, the lad at the back uh, I still can't pronounce his name Willie Camboa yeah well, that's the lad uh, another good performance at one point celebrating a clearance fist, fist pump celebrating a clearance um, so that was great to see I thought the lads who came on uh, 
um, Dan Gore and Hannibal coming on in injury time. They get raised, raised some eyebrows. As but soon as the final whistle went, Willie turned around and gave it one there. Was he still giving it? Who won? So basically, he was giving it all, all through the nine minutes of injury time. Um, we're just watching the winner back there now. How's it? How, how's it gone in? Oh no, no, that was the first goal, wasn't it? Um, yeah, let's not watch them. But two set pieces. That's uh, pretty shocking. That's a free header at the back post. And he sticks it in, but nowhere, we're nowhere near the header and we're nowhere near the flick. So it was terrible defending. Um, at that point, the Villa fans were bouncing, singing about Unai Emery as they had been doing before kickoff. And rightly so, like I said, he's been doing a really good job and uh, I think that's, that's good on him. Um, but they did bottle it second half, didn't they, Villa? They were nowhere to be seen. And um, those Villa fans certainly certainly shut up as soon as United's first goal went in, actually. So for a team who I think potentially could have gone... could Yeah, could Villa have gone top of the league? Or, or am I making that up? Either way, they, 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 at least went into the, they at least went into the match day second. So for a team on that sort of under four, for the fans to give up like that... that didn't, didn't, first half, yeah, but second half, they... They and their, and their own team seem to give up a little bit the way we usually do. So, where's it leave us? That's, that's the end of the year at Old Trafford. One away game to come on, uh, on, on the 30th, uh, away at Nottingham Forest. We go into that with a lot more momentum now. Um, yeah, the, the year at Old Trafford ends with a win, and can we say the start of a new era begins with a, a win? We'll see. I think we'll see. I think we say, I think we have to say, fact, you know, factually, I think it is out of a new era. It's the first time in 18 years that the Glazers have given up or sold um, a stake in United. Um, so it is, a, it is a new era of sorts. Personally, um, I, I, I do think the massive positive is that it's, it's not Qatar. And I've, I've voiced that before, I've written about it, and we've, we've spoken about it. I think that's important. United don't need that. On, on the tram earlier today, when, I, when we came from FC United, across, we played away at Ashton, coming across the Etihad campus back into Manchester. Manchester United, uh, okay, Manchester United might need those facilities. That's fair. But United turn over, we just turned over, over 600 million pounds. United have the money. It just needs to be spent correctly in the transfer market and in terms of infrastructure. United don't need Qatar for that. And that's that's my opinion, and uh, you heard you heard opposing opinions to that earlier on, and that's fair. Um, but now we look forward, don't we? We look forward, hopefully, to a new year, and hopefully, hopefully, to a new era. And um, if there is one last positive thing that I think this or that I hope that this podcast today is also has also showed is that United's United's fan culture off the pitch is alive and kicking. It's vibrant. We are active. And whether that is uh, Nathan selling Red News, whether it's us lot doing United We Stand, whether in print or on the podcast, uh, the lads, you know, Duncan and the others at, at, at Must, uh, providing their role as a, as a platform and, and a conduit for United fans, or whether it's where we started over at FC United, those lads have been protesting against the Glazers for 18 years. Uh, and as they were singing, it's a Merry Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and... We're still here, aren't we? So, up the Reds and, uh, yeah, happy Christmas again and have a fantastic New Year event. Always look on the bright side of life.